Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the true beauty of the cross. We have made the cross to be something beautiful. We put diamonds in it, rubies. We plate it in gold and we hang it up. Oh, so beautiful. No, the cross is ugly. It's an instrument of death. It's to remind us the consequence of sin. It's to remind us of God's love for us. The cross is to bring me to my knees and my face to the ground and to say, thank you, God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's one subject that's always a topic of much debate and protest, and that's the death penalty. Many point out how inhumane it is and that no one should be subject to such a destiny. But where were the protesters when Jesus took up His cross? Today, Pastor Xavier continues his study from the Gospel of Matthew as he brings us today's compelling message, the wrath of the cross. Matthew chapter 27, verses 32 through 56. I've entitled the message, The Wrath of the Cross. Jesus has been tried, scourged, mocked, beaten, and sentenced to death on the cross. He never harmed any person, he never committed any crime. He never sinned in any way, and yet he was sentenced to die the death of a criminal of the worst kind, which was the most torturous and humiliating way of death, the cross. The cross was picked up and really began with the Persians. It was the most agonizing death that any man could experience. And yet the one who died on it was one that was spotless, sinless. People many times come and say, you know, it just doesn't make sense, predestination, free will. It doesn't make sense that God who knew all things would, would allow Adam to fail and, and, and put us through this whole thing. It doesn't make sense that God would punish me for what Adam did. But you know the only thing that doesn't make sense is why Jesus, being holy, died in my place. That's the only thing that doesn't make sense to me. Everything else makes sense. But He, being sinless, the Son of God, the epitome of holiness, hung on the cross, makes absolutely no sense. None whatsoever outside of God's love for the sinner. It's no sense at all. Matthew provides for us the wrath of the cross from three different perspectives from verses 32 to 56. He gives to us the wrath of Rome, verses 32 through 37. The wrath of man, verses 38 through 44. And the wrath of God, verses 45 through 56. Let me read the passage and we'll look at it. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene. Simon by name is him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of the skull, 
They gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him, divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothes they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand, the other on the left, and those who passed blasphemed him wagging their heads and saying, You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, this is my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn and two from the top to the bottom, and the earthquake, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly being, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of sons of Zebedee. The wrath of Rome is seen in verses 32 through 37. Notice that the wrath of Rome first fell upon Simon the Cyrene as they compelled him to bear the cross of Jesus in verse 32. Simon was a pilgrim from Egypt who had come to celebrate Passover. He would now become ceremonially unclean and defiled so that he would not be able to partake of the Passover. Maybe he had longed to come and he had his chance and it just so happened out of the crowd, they picked him. There are no just-so-happens in the Scriptures. There are no just-so-happens in your life and mine if we are Christians. Simon was as much at appointment as Jesus. What a privilege. Though I don't think Simon recognized the privilege at first, if a Roman soldier came and put the very 
tip of his spear on your shoulder or your chest or his sword. That meant that you were compelled to do as he bid you. You had to carry his burden for a mile or you had to do whatever he told you. And that's where Jesus says, hey, don't carry a one, carry a two. It's a good time to witness. And they had absolute authority over people. And I can imagine through the mind of Simon saying, oh, man, I should have made a left back during that street. I was thinking about it and I didn't. You ever, things like that ever happened to you? But if you're a Christian, you didn't make the left because God didn't want you to make the left. You know what I mean? There's no happenstance. In the book of Ruth, it says, and, 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 and Ruth just happened to come to the field of Boaz by God's appointment, not by accident. Well, Xavier, how about tragedies? A absolutely, also tragedies. God will take the wrath of man to glorify himself. I'm not saying God is the author of, of, of that which is destructive, that which is tragic. I'm saying God will take that which comes to us even in this fallen world and if we trust Him and call upon Him and keep our eyes upon Him, He will turn that wrath of man into the glory of God in His time. We look at Joseph and it says that Joseph told his brothers, you intended it for evil, but God meant it for good. You and I both can look to our lives, situations and times and periods where we ask God to kill us, take us home, to just get it over with. Aren't you glad he didn't answer your dumb wish? For this very same thing, you couldn't stand. Now you would never exchange it for any amount of money because it taught you so much and it made you so much like Christ. And it caused you to know your Savior and to walk with him and to experience the fellowship of his sufferings and to be conformant to his image. Those are things you don't learn from books, from sermons, or casual reading, but through life and obedience. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus, Mark 15, 21 tells us. Paul greets them in Romans 16, 13. So apparently this man had a great impact not only within the Christian community, but Christ had a great impact upon him. He became a believer. I mean, what a privilege, but he didn't know it at the time. Just like you and I, the privileges that God gives to us, the privileges that we have in life, and sometimes we are so blind to the privileges and we discard them, we, we, we despise them, we just look down upon them, we say, oh man, if only, or why not? Or, and God says, you don't understand. But trust me, I know what I'm doing. Now, you ever have somebody tell you that? When man tells me that, I look kind of funny at him. You know what I mean? But when God tells you that, it should bring priests to your life because he's never made a mistake. He's never made a mistake. And he's always right on time. You ever see Jesus? You ever read about Jesus running anywhere? Oh, I'm like the summer of the month. I'll talk to you later. Wait. <laughs> nope. Never in a hurry. Right on time. Think about Simon. When things happen in your life that you say, oh. Remember, God is for you. Nobody can be against you. Notice also the wrath of Rome was to instill fear in the hearts of the people. 
Verse 33 through 37, we get this. They took him to the place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. He gave him wine, sour wine to mingle with gall to drink, but he refused it according to the prophecies. The fulfillment in verse 35 through 37, they would be casting lots for his garments. Notice they would, first of all, the wrath of Rome was there to instill fear in the hearts of the people. Rome would take and march the criminal from the place of sentence and scourging. He would have to bear his own cross. And if he was too weak, then they would get someone to bear his cross as they did here. But they would always take him the longest way around so that everybody around would see him scourged, his flesh torn, ligaments exposed, lungs exposed, his face battered, so that it would instill fear in the people who would dare to lift their hand against Rome. Very effective. The criminal was also charged with this crime. And written on a plaque would be his crime. They would hang it around his neck as he carried his cross, or a soldier would hold it out in front, leading the procession to the way of the cross. For all to read why he was condemned to the cross. The sour wine was a form of mercy. Mingled with gall, myrrh, different gospels describe it differently. It was like an anesthesia for pain. But here it says that Jesus refused it. According to Psalm 69, 21, fulfilled. Jesus took all the pain for you and me. Who was he? The Son of God. What was he? He was holy. He took every bit of pain. People today and oftentimes say, well, why does God let me suffer in this marriage? Why did God allow me to marry this woman, this man? Why did God allow this? The pain is too much. Let me tell you, you don't know anything about pain and neither do I. You want to talk about pain? So don't tell me God doesn't understand. He not only understands pain to the epitome of pain because he's all-knowing, but he experienced pain to the fullest, never giving in. For who? For you and for me. Not for himself. He refused it. They crucified him at Golgotha for all to see, verses 35 there through 37. Golgotha was the place of the skull, symbolic of death. Today, there is such a place outside the Damascus Gate. You can see the very outline of a skull, eyes, a nose, and a mouth. Whether that is the exact same place, we don't know, but kind of interesting that it's still there. It stands outside the city walls, just as the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, 11 through 13, tells us. The place is the skull. The activities of the cross were according to prophecy. They were fulfilling Psalm twenty-two, eighteen, casting lots for his vestures. 
A Jew wore five articles. He had shoes, a turban, a girdle, the inner garment, and then the outer garment, which was seamless. It was very valuable, so they didn't tear it. They cast lots for it. Fulfilling the scriptures, Psalm 22, 18. John 19, 24 gives us a commentary about the outer garment being valuable because it was seamless and they cast lots. How is it that Jesus could have fulfilled this prophecy through the soldiers? Do you think he convinced them to do this? It goes to show you who was in control. Even though Rome thought they were in control. They wanted all to read and understand. Verse 37, over his head, a placard with his accusation was written. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Luke 23, 38 and John 19, 20 tells us that it was written in three languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. The Jews were so outraged by the very writing that they told Pilate, do not write, he is king of the Jews, but write, he said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate says, what is written is written. Kind of getting back at them because they had put him up against the wall, remember? They kind of forced him to make a move. He really didn't want to. And sort of like to spit in their face, he says, tough. Live with it. How prophetic. Here we have a holy, sinless man, the Son of God, upon a cross that was reserved for the worst of criminals. And yet, he did nothing. All he did was to heal, to help, to proclaim God's good news, and to offer himself as a sacrifice for the ungodly world. Now you know why most people reject the cross. We have made the cross to be something beautiful. We put diamonds in it, rubies. We shine it up. We plate it in gold and we hang it up. Oh, so beautiful. No, the cross is ugly. It's an instrument of death. It's bloody. It's to remind us the consequence of sin. It's to remind us the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. It's to remind us of God's love for us who did not deserve forgiveness and yet was given freely. The cross is to bring me to my knees and my face to the ground and to say, thank you, God. Thank you for your mercies and your grace. Why me? And that I be so impacted by that miracle in my life that I can say nothing but Jesus is Lord and proclaim it as God would open the doors. Notice the wrath of Rome was prophetic to Israel also. We don't get it here, so just jot it down. All four Gospels, the Synoptic Three and John, record the crucifixion in great detail. Luke gives us a section in Luke 23, 28, and 29, whereas Jesus is going to the cross of Calvary. The women are weeping. And he looks at them and says, Women, do not weep for me. Weep for yourself and your children. For there will come a day when you will say, Blessed is he 
who is barren and doesn't give suck to her children, proclaiming of the judgment to come upon Israel through the wrath of Rome in 70 A.D. The cross was only prophetic of the wrath to fall upon Israel through Rome. They thought they were going to escape it. They were afraid of losing their position. They were afraid of losing their prestige. They would lose their very lives, their very nation. It would cost them 2,000 years of wandering through the world. Wrath of Rome. Powerful, isn't it? There are men who have gained great power through the ages. Hitler, Mussolini. And terror thus strike the heart of men when someone has unlimited power to do as they will, to who they will. But the Bible tells us that the fear of man brings a snare. Whenever we live under the fear of man rather than the fear of God, we become crippled, useless, timid, compromising, deluded, despondent, discouraged. We need to fear God, not man. Verses 38 through 44 gives us the wrath of man. Notice first the robbers are crucified with Jesus and they revile him. Verse 38, the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Verse 44 says, even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Luke 23, 39 through 43 tells us that one of the robbers there repented. But at first they joined in and they were just blaspheming and reviling Jesus. And as time went on, one of them turned to the other and says, Do you not fear God? You and I, we are worthy of this penalty. We have committed crimes worthy of the cross. But this man, he has done nothing deserving of this. How did that man know? There must have been something just looking at Jesus. Not to speak of God's mercy to make himself known to those who are open. He turned to Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. You talk about making it by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> now, sadly, too many of you live like that and think it's biblical. And other Christians do. All you want to do is just make sure you make it in. So you're only doing the least you have to for the kingdom. But the man on the cross had no time to work for the kingdom. That's why he got in by the skin of his teeth. Some say, well, you know, that's not fair. I mean, you look at all the sin he got to enjoy. I've come to the Lord. I've walked with him 20, 30 years. Look at all the stuff I've sacrificed. Do you think you've been ripped off? You've got the wrong perspective. The person that gets in on the last minute, just at the deathbed, poor individual, Look at all the peace he's missed out. Look at all the fellowship with God. Look at all the benefit that he's missed out on. Look at all the wisdom he could have had for raising his family and for his own life. Look at all the people he could have helped. Look at the impact he could have made in the lives of others. 
that man though saved should be most pitied for he has a saved soul but a lost life we need to take every opportunity to serve the king to be in service for the kingdom Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth that surrounds the cross of Jesus. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study from Matthew called The Wrath of the Cross. It's available on CD for just $4. And be sure to ask for an additional copy so you can share it with your friends and loved ones. The title to ask for once again is The Wrath of the Cross. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. There is a way that leads to life, but not without great cost. Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese as he brings us the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com